Whose story are you telling in your business? Are you really working to intimately serve the narrative of your customers? Or is it the business you are focused on and you hope that it will somehow land with your customers too? Well, on this week's episode of The Remarkable Project, my business partner and remarkably co-founder Neil Terry and I reflect on recent conversations with clients, collaborators, and, and each other around this idea of actively committing to a truly customer-first approach as not merely an opportunity to refine, but also a vehicle for sustainable and strategic growth. Deep diving on the implications of deep listening and the choice of language within customer communications. We unpack why understanding the internal narratives of those you're aiming to serve is ground zero for impact, co-creation, and my favorite, community. Now, for the regular listeners, this conversation also reflects on recent episodes of the show, such as Stephen M. R. Covey on the subject of trust and Thomas Colster on customer definitions and transformation. We also consider why psychographics are so crucial to infusing longevity into customer relationships. Now, this is a bit more of a, uh, I guess, a conversational episode as we bounce around some ideas and some tactics on really getting to the bottom of who we are serving and how best to serve them. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Anyway, I hope you enjoy. Here we go. Why do people love your business? What are the unforgettable moments you create for your audience? How do you build a business that people feel compelled to talk about? The Remarkable Project with Jay Tinkler. Hello, mate. Welcome back to the podcast. Good day. <laughs> I guess why I wanted to continue, I guess, a, a conversation that you and I have had. I mean, we were in the car the other day talking about some of the clients that we're dealing with and also unpacking some of the episodes that we've done recently on the podcast. And the theme that seems to keep coming up across most of the conversations that we have is this, uh, I, I want to say, conflict that clients have between knowing that they have certain objectives that they're trying to reach and goals that they're trying to reach, but also knowing that if they stay too focused on themselves, that they're not going to get the engagement they're looking for from their clients. So I thought we'd kind of riff off that today as a concept of as brutal as it sounds, it's not about you. <laughs> or, or I might say it's not all about you. No, that's 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 Is a that lot better softer. way of putting it. That's a yeah, lot that, softer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pull your, pull your head. You. No, pull your head in, mate. Come on, <laughs> pull, take pull it, take, take it easy. Um, so, yeah, probably a good place to start about this is kind of defining what we're talking about. What are you seeing, mate, as far as this problem or this conflict that that we're seeing out in the market? Well, I, I, uh, to me, the natural place to start is to say that it is a. I think you used the word conflict, which I think is probably right. Because I don't think it's what all one thing or the other, probably, um, which is why I added the word all to your <laughs> to your opening gambit. Um, 
because I think we're on the one hand we're talking to people saying you need to get really clear on what it is your what's the transformation you're trying to have for your customers that intent piece you know that is obviously about them but it needs to come from you as a starting point as kind of you know what what do you want to help them achieve so I think this partly comes back to the potential discrepancy as well between what we could broadly call purpose versus profit. And that as far as we're concerned, I think it's fair to say that it's not, the two aren't mutually exclusive. Um, so I think what we're not, maybe what I want to clarify is what, what we're not saying is that totally what you're trying to achieve as a business goes out of the window. That's That's not true. What we're saying is, a vehicle to get there in a way that not only feels better over time to you administering it, but your customers, but also it, it will help unlock that longer term customer lifetime value, right? And that is that if you make it about their challenges, their problems, their issues, what they want and need rather than what you do, then effectively, you are a better place to serve them and to give them something that they will not only be willing to pay for, but will hopefully return to because they get not only a functional uh, value out of it, but something that shows that level of care. Like I, I'm interested in what you want rather than, yeah, I, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, I'll fall into line with what you're trying to achieve because it helps me. And I think if you can kind of push that to the back at least a little bit, it really changes the kind of conversations that you're having. Yeah, and I think there's also a bit of clarity that has to be given around. We hear this a lot, right? We need to be focused, customer focused, and that in especially in marketing land, that we need to understand our customer and customer avatars and all of this kind of stuff. But often that is still taken from where the the business actually is thinking about what the customer wants rather than actually truly understanding the customer and actually constantly putting in processes and systems in place that are constantly creating that feedback loop that speaks to always being on the side of the customer rather than on what we're doing to the customer or doing for the customer. Yeah. So there's a real distinction between customer knowledge or customer avataring or those kind of things that are sit very much in the marketing mix side of things to truly and deeply understanding the narrative that is happening for your customer. And you you were you mentioned the word there around the, the sort of the impact that you're having um, with those customers as well. And I think that once you start to truly sit on the side of the customer, you turn up the volume on impact. And with whilst turning up the, the, the volume on impact, we start to look at a more profitable way of doing business in an organic lens, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and I think... Um... You know, some great ideas, let's not diminish that, some great ideas have come out of a single person in the shower, in the boardroom, at their desk, coming up with something that they feel is, you know, truly innovative and 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 the customer needs this. They don't know that they need it, but they, they'll figure that out later. And you could argue that that's to some degree true, but the reality is whenever a an idea, a concept, 
a proposition, a position really connects, even if it's entirely novel in in the form that it shows up. Um, I think it's fair to say that it it's must be satisfying a customer desire. Now, it might not be something, it might be something deeply rooted. It might be something that's not entirely clear when the idea was even formed necessarily, that there wasn't necessarily that clarity around customer insight potentially. Um, but these days, really, there's kind of no excuse not to be fully up to speed with what your customers want. We can communicate in more ways than ever before. We can gather data um, in in more in higher volumes and in better quality um, than ever before. Whether you do anything with that or how you analyze it is a, is a, a different conversation totally. Um, but it's all there to be understood. So I guess with that in mind, why wouldn't you listen? to the people that you're trying to sell to as much as you possibly can because they're the ones who want to, you know, you want to prompt to have an exchange with you. Um, and sure, like I said, I think uh, slightly early on, you can get people across the line by not listening to them to a, to some degree, but whether you can sustain that or whether you can really realise the potential of what your product or service could be if it was really customer-focused, I think is another question. Mm. We have seen this more recently in sort of not-for-profit land because I think it really shows up in an amplified way there because often those organizations have an intent for the people that they're trying to serve and often who they're trying to get money or donations or partnerships or sponsorships or those kind of things out of their motivations are very different to the motivations of the not-for-profit to begin with. Um, what have been your takeaways, mate, from the conversations that we've been having in NFP land? Yeah, that, I mean, that uh, those examples are particularly interesting because you could say that um, you, you might come to them thinking they're less clouded by a commercial driver than, than a more typical for-profit business. So in some ways, it's like, well, surely this, they are more focused on what people want. But the, I think the, the thing that we've been seeing is, is about, I guess, the story that they tell. Um, when you speak to them about how they arrived at the place they are, what they're trying to achieve, all of those kind of, you know, lovely things, it's still their story. Mm. What it doesn't necessarily take into account, or maybe not enough, is... I feel like that should connect with someone because the story is so, you know, in inverted commas, powerful. Mm. But that comes with a whole load of bias, right? I'm biased on that position from the outset because I know I understand the subject matter deeply. I've seen the change that what I'm doing can have. I feel the potential of what could be possible if we were able to fund it better, for example, or just reach more people. So my... I come to this with, well, why wouldn't everyone want the same thing? This is, we're doing good for people, right? We're not selling them something. We, we, we offer, yeah, sure. But the flaw with that school of thought is that the people that you're trying to get money out of or to partner with you or support you in some way is that their story's not yours. They may empathize with the situation that you are championing and the people you're trying to help they may even have been personally touched with it to some degree 
but their investment in the story that you're telling is not even close in, in most cases to what yours is and there's a gap there so i think what we've been realizing is that we need to start looking at what who the people you're trying to align with or have aligned with you you really have to understand their stories what is the value of this to them and a lot of the time that transcends just doing something good or that the doing something good is driven by a, a different underlying um desire need want or theme than what yours is valid all the same but much easier to harness i would say if you could really understand where they're coming from and what's driving their uh, their thought processes around it yeah and you mentioned thought processes. i i i feel like one of the common denominators here is that we spend a lot of time in sort of demographic land um thinking about who these people are and you know where they hang out and these kind of things and not enough in the psychographic not enough Mm. in what is this really doing for them at a psychological level? What's the transformation that they, they're looking for? Um, do they, uh, you know, we often talk about status in, in our business. So like, are they looking for a status symbol here? Are they looking to look good, feel good, uh, survive? You know, what are, the, what are the feelings at a psychographic level that we can um, understand, which I have to say, is really hard to do without conversing with your mm. customer on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, and how do we tap into that? How do we start to get those feelings? And I think that the interesting thing if, that if you can really get clear on that psychographic piece is there's some longevity to this conversation with a customer rather than it being a one-off sale, those kind of things, which speaks to all the things that we love as far as advocacy and word of mouth and being remarkable and being compelled to talk about a business. So that psychographic piece, I think, is pretty key to the to to unlocking this whole thing, right? I mean, I think maybe what you've um, hit on there is also this idea that I think with psychographics, particularly the people you're trying to get inside the head of for want of a better word some of this is subliminal i don't think they always know we don't always know why we do what we do why we're biased towards certain things why we favor some things over others and it's all obviously a whole melting pot of life experience and current situation and all of these all of these things so um it's not as easy i don't think as always just as, as all it's not just as simple as asking it's also about as much as it's about listening, it's also about observing and seeing and looking for trends and behaviors and, and tells, if you will, about the way that people react in certain situations. And that's not necessarily easy to do. But I do think what I was saying earlier about data being available, the quality of data is such a differentiating factor between how you act and whether you can act really smartly and strategically or whether you can um be doing it at a really surface level um because i would say that to your last point there about the longevity of this is that a needs to some degree come and go right i need something today maybe i don't need it as much tomorrow depending on what it is values on the other hand 
are much more robust, I would say, and much more long lasting. So if you can tap into what those are, what those drivers are, and they're probably, I would say, more likely to be the ones that aren't quite so obvious just to be to look at and go, okay, well, they did this, this, and this, this means they think X. Um, it requires deeper consideration and potentially a you know a, a higher commitment of time and effort to gather this information. Um, but the payoff by aligning with values um, should be higher if you get it right than just surface level needs that are more likely to fluctuate and you know move in different ways over time yeah i I like the idea of data but for some reason the trend is where i mean generally at least small to medium-sized businesses don't collect enough data on their customers am i doing a broad brush on that no i think i think that's probably fair and i think as with everything comes there's cost yeah it's cost to acquire and i think i think what happens a lot and i'm i'm speculating slightly here but i suspect a lot of what happens is even when they do collect what you could consider enough they then say okay we've got the data let's move on the analysis of that data doesn't necessarily warrant the volume that they like collecting data and just stick it it means literally zero if you don't do something productive with it so i think there's a lot of the first bit gets done at some point like we need okay everyone's talking about data we need to we need to get in the game let's start collecting it we start amassing it but the next bit i think is much more tricky which is what do you do with it how does it inform your thinking and if you don't have that piece then in some ways the first piece is slightly redundant i guess and obviously that difference between but um all sorts of organizations but i'm sure size and scale and just being able to have certain people who look after that side of things specifically would be a factor in why smaller and more sort of mid-sized businesses are less likely to go really deep it's uh it's it requires well, as as in as with everything that what is going to work it requires time effort and investment so there's a friction there for business owners to find out too much information about how they're doing and whether they're on on point and i think that that gets in the way of people leaning in to or business owners leaning into this area is that there's a level of vulnerability that needs to come with that. So then there we have this friction that's sort of, I guess, backfilled with a feeling of, um, uh, you know, putting the systems in place and the processes and the CRMs and the, these kind of things are, oh, it just feels like a really big thing to do. And as you say, what are we going to do with that data and all that kind of stuff? But I think that there's, a sentiment or a or a, a a an initial motivation that needs to that i would recommend businesses lean into which is just we are going to be customer first we're going to actually go and um spend time with our customers i mean really if we're trying to um ascertain that psychographic piece a lot of this has to be qualitative rather than quantitative, right? Like the, the, the data that we're collecting is not about going, oh, you know, uh, this many females and this many males and all of that kind of stuff. It, it's, it's more about going wants and needs, desires, values, those kind of things. And that comes from conversations. So really probably a good place to start here is to say, what listening systems have you got? 
in your business? What are the things that you've got that you've um, set up, even if it means, no, we make five calls a week to existing customers and, you know, have 15 minute conversations, deep conversations with them to understand what's working and what's not working. And that's a random process and away we go. I think potentially that could be stronger than amassing a whole lot of data and drawing a cross section because you're going a lot more under the hood with um, common themes, language, communications, opportunities uh, that obviously you would still create some sort of average out of and look at, you know, you don't react to everything and you sort of see what are the common denominators here. But creating or doing that listening piece and collecting data and having a way to collect that data so it can be analysed at a qualitative level, I think is pretty important here. Yeah, and I, I, I would say um, in, a, in an ideal world, you want both, right? You want hard data and you want soft, softer listening um, because either without the other, means you miss some nuance so you know for example i'm gonna this is a, a a strange example but let's just say um you go to the pet shop and you want to buy a fish right the data might tell you over time whether uh, someone like you is more likely to want the red fish or the blue fish right but it's not gonna tell you why you want the fish in the first place so it will tell you something but it's half the story so the whole story is, I think, the, when it comes down to detail and the, and the kind of end game nuance on a more product functional level, data is great. And it shows, I guess, trends and movements over time. But the question you want to ask with those trends is, why is that trend developing? Is it, is it just what it appears to be, more people like this than that? Or is there something deeper to it that is leading them in the majority of them in one direction? And if so... What else can we do to capitalize on that trend? So, and I, I think when we're talking about listening and observing, it feels, I, 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 would, I would think to a smaller business, sometimes like it's not, it's a, it's a fairly passive, it can be seen as a passive act, right? So listening, it means you're not doing anything at that point in time, you're not acting. And when we need to grow and we've got fires we need to put out and we need to push things forward and we've got, you know, maybe other people pushing us to sell, 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 taking a moment and a breath to, to take time to, to listen can be seen, I mean, I would say potentially foolishly looked upon as dead time. But we talk, a we always talk about this idea about slowing down to be able to speed up later. And I think that's what listening effectively is. In, in a microcosm, but um, taking a moment to reflect. And, and what, you, what you mentioned before was this idea of the conversations that you're having with customers. The conversations don't have to be about what you can necessarily do for them. They shouldn't be led by that. They should be led by what problems have you got? And those problems might be, if you're doing this right, something that you cannot what you do will have potentially minimal bearing on and that's fine because then you start to get into a whole other conversation which i don't think is for today which is about trust and about why 
just showing that you care about someone's business, even if you can't fix it or help to fix it, is what builds that long-term, yeah, kind of uh, relationship. So. Hey there, sorry to interrupt. I hope you're enjoying this episode. Now, you know we're all about supporting your journey towards transformation of existing audiences into connected, captivated, and consistently profitable advocates for your business. So I wanted to take a moment to introduce you to the Remarkably community. Each week, we curate and craft an email that brings together expert interviews, actionable tips, and shared ideas designed to help you find and facilitate your Remarkable. We also make ourselves available to be part of the conversations community members are hungry to have around marketing, customer experience, and profitable community building. Jump on to remarkably.com.au forward slash join. That's R-E-M-A-R-K-A-B-L-Y.com.au forward slash join and start showing up as a business or a brand that people feel compelled to talk about. Okay, let's get back to the interview. Absolutely. So, you know, and I guess when I think about it, I, I think even if you look at some of the most well-known brands in the world, people like Nike, people like Red Bull, these kind of people that we sort of reference a lot, there is that piece of tapping into their story so much more than tapping into their own. So in Nike, it's not all about selling shoes and it's all about inspiring athletes um, and runners around the world and red bull is although they're selling energy drinks what they're actually trying to the narrative that they're playing with is giving wings to people and ideas and and you know cliff diving doesn't feel like it's got a really strong connection with energy drinks but it it speaks to their narrative their psychographic their so they're probably two really big examples. Have you got any others that sort of come come to mind? That well, I, I just I just uh, plus that idea slightly um, with those two examples is that there's co-creation going on there, right? So with a Red Bull and and with a Nike, when you're talking about um, with in the content they create for it, just as a as a uh, as a marketing example, it's not necessarily always about. Um, anything to do directly with the product that they sell it's to do with the story of the person who's telling it because it's you know the the world's most overused marketing term of the last or, or it's authentic right so and because of that they're aligning with authenticity um in a subtle way so you know whether you're wearing a pair of air jordans to play a basketball game if the story is what playing that game means to you as the person who may feature in the content or whatever it is, that is the bit that gets, you know, we talk about this all the time. The, yeah, the emotion. And, and then um, now I think you asked me whether I had any examples of people embodying this um, sort of, I guess, listening idea or listening harder. Um, I had two conversations on Friday with two NBN providers, let's call them that. And I was quite astonished, to be honest, because, you know, as all of us probably have had uh, varying degrees of 
satisfaction with those kind of conversations around things like uh, phones and technology, that both of them were a very interested in what I was trying to explain to them. And you could tell that they had a process and some information that they needed to pull out of me. But the way that the conversations both went was, why is this going to cause an issue for you? And it was quite refreshing to hear one of them said, I'm not sure we can help you with this, but I'm going to go and talk to someone and see whether this is something that falls under our remit. And if it isn't, I'm going to try and see if we can work out what you could do next and who you would talk to. Which was not what I expected, because I actually went into that call knowing that this probably wasn't for them to help me. I was just wanting to cl- to close out a um, a line of inquiry. And they made an effort to say, no, we can't actually help you with that. That's not something we do. And these are the reasons why, rather than just a, a blanket, we, we don't. But they listened to what my issue was and, di- and directed me in a place where they thought I'd be able to get some assistance. I then spoke to where they directed me to, which is another business, and got another person who was really great at listening to w- exactly what my situation was and, uh, and why it was affecting me and why it needed help. And I came off the back of it feeling like I don't remember the last time I had back-to-back conversations with those kind of companies that left me feeling, I think they're going to sort this out. So that was just a, 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 a small example. And that was a, you know, a fairly, uh, what's the word, a functional piece of listening in that they are hearing a problem and they're going to attend to it quite quickly. But I would say just to kind of close this idea out, what the listening piece can do apart from helping with ongoing refinement, or especially if there's a problem, being able to address it, fix it, recognize it quickly. That's It's great for that. It's also great to start feeding longer-term strategy about where to next. Because by having these conversations on, on mass or over a period of time, you really start to get a sense of what is the conversation that's happening out there and what's, where is there a through line between some of this that should be informing how we evolve not necessarily what we sell, but maybe how we sell it, how we present it, some ways that we can plus it and add to it and develop it further. So I think it's 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 important in short term, but it's crucial to long term evolution and growth. Mm. Yep. So I feel like the next step around this, say you have a business that's starting to tap into that and really understand the the story for your customer and and it's worth noting let's let's tick off some podcast episodes here joseph pine talks about the 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 transformation that you're taking your customer through and the value that people see in you partnering with them on that transformation using experience and and you being there um, steward for want of a better word that sort of uh, takes them to where they want to go but that takes true understanding of the end game I remember uh, Thomas Colster talking about uh, who you can help people become uh, who else uh, even Stephen M. R. Covey talking about trust and you know all of the elements of this come to this story that we're trying to tap into is doesn't start with you it really starts with getting vulnerable and and leaning into having the right conversations collecting the right data 
and being willing to be wrong and mm. willing to have it 15 degrees from where you thought you'd like to go and also willing to go actually we're not serving that customer anymore and being able to pivot um from there yeah and 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 i think that in, in relation to that there's also an element of you don't i think you said this further up the up the top but there's you don't have to take every piece of information that you receive and immediately act upon it you, you can't it's not you, like you said you know th- there needs to be some sort of whether it's an average or it's a, a sentiment that you tap into across a few a number of conversations that you feel like you can't you can't please all the people all the time right that that's that's a fact what you can do is that the um the act of saying i want to hear what you have to say because you're important to us is really valuable because a lot of the time those messages are being put out on on mass but they appear to be very there's not a lot of warmth around them especially when they're automated um what do you think of our service rate one two three four you know etc etc and you get the information that you want from it you take what you already suspect and the biases that you apply to it and it you know it um backfills an idea that you might already have and that's problematic because then you get into echo chamber land and you really are talking to yourself and that's not to say that some of the people that then are come into contact with what you've created won't find value from it sure they will you know in almost all instances there's a market for everything pretty much even if it's a market of one but it goes beyond just refinement of a product or service right it also goes to like you said it starts to build trust um it's it's a conversation rather than a speech something that we talk about a lot as well and i think it also starts to make people realize that you are in this to serve them but you're allowed to have a commercial outcome that you need from that as well that's i want to keep saying that because it's it's not one or the other it's both this is an interesting area because, and this is where we complement each other a little bit because of the fact that I I probably lean too far in the um, uh, emotional engagement with customer and that kind of thing, and and at times that that is not as scalable as um, you would like it to be. You're a lover, um, not a fighter, mate. That's I'm a I'm a lover, not a fighter. What it is, but what I'm what I'm curious about with what you just said there was is that there's an opportunity in having those deeper conversations and you know you talk about getting that survey and you know one to five as to you know um and even if you've had this amazing experience and people have been deeply personal with you you feel like people are taking you through the transformation following that up with an email of how do you rate us from one to five i don't feel is in congruence with the 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 experience you've had thus far if i got a video say of hey jay listen here i'm the account manager here listen we've had such an enjoyable experience with you thus far what we'd love from you is just a couple of lines as to what your experience has been like and you know we've made it really easy just click on the button below but i can't wait to keep servicing um, your needs and along the way and that you know you you continue and have that congruence and so that's where i keep feel, feeling businesses drop back into 
we do amazing things for our customers and then get deeply impersonal, <laughs> you know. Um, but we're, we're sort of running out of time a little bit here, but I, I wanted to also circle this up and tighten this up into an, a nice, neat ball and also say that the long-term effects of this, if you can do the short-term vulnerability, the short-term, you know, happy to be wrong, Let's go have the right conversations with our clients so that we can understand their story at a really deep level, what they actually care about. Um, and you start them, as you said before, as a clean slate, potentially not talking about your product or service and how you can help them, but about their problem. The long-term effects are you have you start to create the co-creation that you were talking about before and the long-term community, which has a deep marketing effect has a deep effect on your costs, bringing your costs down, lifting your growth without too much um, revenue input either, uh, sorry, cost input, you know. So there's not much resource that you have to use to actually create this. But if I can get deeply connected to your brand through co-creation, um, I become a strong advocate. So if we were to have a think about three things that could help you know, an organization potentially listening to this sort of shift the needle, you know, 15 degrees to the right, as we always say, towards creating a better listening function, a better, I guess, more customer focused way of doing business. I think I, I use the word there, but I, I think the starting point is looking at listening, right? What, what are your vulnerable listening moments in your business even if they're small how are you creating systems and processes around listening would be my first top mm. level place and i would say with that that in the same way as looking at a customer journey and um and the up and down energy points of that the same goes for listening there's some points of a conversation or an interaction where listening returns higher let's call it ROI, I suppose, in terms of time than others. And I'm trying to think about identifying which are the parts of the really, you know, where we know whether it's pain points, whether it's opportunities, whether it's problems, challenges, whatever, where in a conversation does that listening, is it going to pay off most? Because I think that there is an element of um, you sometimes need to let the person you're conversing with lead that, but you need to be able to read the signs and go, okay, this is, I can tell because I've done this before that this means something to them because of the way that they're talking, because of the language they're using. That's when you need to double down and really pay attention <laughs> because then you're unearthing something that is connecting emotionally to them. So I think that's, that's, and that, I think that comes with experience and that comes with time um, about when to really, um, are the key times to extract information for those conversations that you can use to their benefit and they will thank you for it because it will be helping solve a real problem yeah and i and I, I i might be plussing what you've just said there but the, the idea of this is about feelings <laughs> and i and this is about how i feel during this experience or feel about you know this topic your product or service may solve and tapping into that feeling 
um, through using language like, how does that make you feel? <laughs> um, allows you to unpack what they're either running away from or running towards. And if you can unpack what they're running away from or running towards, that becomes the seeds for what your product or service can make them feel as a result. And that's where the true, you know, if we, we talked about psychographics before, but that's really what we're talking about here, right? Is that if the first piece is listening, what we're trying to listen for is what is the feeling or the transformation that the, at, a, at a psychographic, psychological level that we're hoping that our um, customer will go through as a result of um, uh, uh, their experience with us? Yeah, and I would, um, something that's just occurred to me then is that sometimes, I'm sure we've heard this statement before, sometimes the most powerful thing to say is nothing in response to listening, or at least at the time that the conversation is happening. There's a tendency that we all have, um, which is to suddenly spin it back from being about you to quickly being about me. So, okay, you've got a problem. Great. Okay. How can I, how, what can I quickly um, trigger? Can I, or lever can I pull so that I can get something out of this? Okay. So you just told me that you need a new website. You're really struggling. It's you're, you're late, you're, the one that you've been using for 10 years is super slow. That's great. I think you really need some SEO. I think that, and, and, and this is why absolutely nothing to do with probably in the, in the context of that can, what their actual what the, the pain point that they're suffering is. Um, but you've seen an opportunity and it seems close enough to sort of shoehorn it into it um, and to see where it leads. And sometimes it pays off. It, it, like, you know, sometimes it does work. Um, but really, if the person you're having the conversation with reflects on this, they're saying you've not, you haven't listened because you're answering a question that I, or uh, so, uh, something that I raised that I didn't, that was you, that was you brought that to the conversation, not me. And that's the opposite of yeah, and, and, we, we, and uh, you yeah, hear this yeah. all the time, don't you? That you know, whether it be the five whys or the, um, you know, I often use the analogy of the that scene in Braveheart where he's sitting on the top of the hill saying, "Hold, hold," you know, that that moment of <laughs> don't yeah. throw the the soldiers down there just yet to to solve the problem, just go deeper. You'll see something at the bottom there that will go. That's what we're really dealing with, and that's the play that you that you want to um, start focusing on. I think the third piece for me, mate, um, is this uh, advice over feedback is a really good tool for this too, right? When you're asking or talking to customers, ask for advice rather than feedback. Feedback is a very speech way of it's a way of saying, give us some feedback, and we'll choose what to to do with that but they you still retain your positions in the hierarchy of um we've got the strength and we've got the power over over what what you're about to say whereas advice is creates a level playing field it creates a you you, you can just feel it um viscerally around if someone asks you for advice they're actually giving you the um uh, the spotlight here as to you're important and we really want to listen. So I think that's a, a probably a good place to to start with this too. Yeah. Um, and one other thing that I think is a more um, tactical thing that people can do in the short term, or at least kind of keep on their radar is if, you know, if you're using various 
digital channels, socials, which, you know, most of us do to some degree, um, without getting really stalkerish, um, seeing what your clients or people in your universe are doing and talking about within those forums can be really useful because you can start to pick apart a little bit or get a bit of insight into why do they keep doing that thing? Why are they keep talking about that subject? And that's where you get into the psychographics and say, well, what is it? What are they getting or their business getting from doing that? And that's not necessarily an interaction with you. In fact, probably it isn't. But you can start to see, okay, so they're really trying to, it seems like they're trying to achieve this from that activity or that action. What can we do that's going to give them opportunity to continue to do the things that they're clearly like to do and feel are valuable and you can start to shape some of the things some of the interactions based on that um i don't think this is talking about changing your product or service every five minutes absolutely not it's but the delivery of these things and the way that you position the same thing in different ways for different uh, cohorts and groups of people is really important so it doesn't mean that your your story has to change but it means they have different stories and you tailor how you deliver and bring your story as close as possible to theirs in multiple different ways rather than going on a one-size-fits-all approach, which is going to go somewhere in the middle and probably miss the majority of, of the people on, on, on either side. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start to wrap up. I think from a story perspective, the narrative perspective, what is the internal narrative of your customer and what are you doing today to start to uh, capturing that data and understanding them at a much deeper level? Um, I have to say from a remarkable project and a remarkably standpoint, we're very open to having your honest advice as well. So um, if you get a chance, please jump on to uh, the review section of uh, our podcast and leave us an honest review give us a one star if it's rubbish and give us a five star if it's not but leave us some good um, advice as to how we can make it better that would be super helpful you can also go to remarkably.com.au we have very open and self-aware and vulnerable uh, conversations with our clients around how we could be doing things better so please take a moment uh, to give us that that uh, that type of advice, we'd, we'd super appreciate it, mate. Thank you again for chewing the fat. Thank you. Yes. Another good conversation. Enjoyed it. Until next time, everybody. Stay remarkable. Mm-hmm.